Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team who blew a 2-0 lead, not for the first time this season, and witnessed Man City win the Premier League. We'll get to that shortly, plus later on, Frankie turns up the heat once again with his spicy question. But before we get to all that, Frankie, how are you doing? I feel like after witnessing that today, I've um, got in touch with my inner Mark Lawrence. And... Well, you know, I, I, I don't even like football. I, I don't even know why I watch football, really. <laughs> I, think, I think we all felt like Mark Lawrence when Gundogan scored the third, to be honest. Oh, I, 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 I was, I was, my parents came up to visit this weekend and I had the game up on the, on the iPad, all gathered round, like it was the Queen's coronation. Obviously, when we went 2-0 up, it was just bedlam bedlam in the house mm, yeah uh, but yeah. then we'll get onto this obviously as part of the podcast but but when when that first goal went in i i sort of almost kind of resigned myself to perhaps it not being our day or liverpool's day but not that that matters to us obviously um but anyway yeah should we should we just should we just crack into it, it was the, just it was straight the, into uh, it yeah just, just dive in just just dive in it was the last game of the season obviously so lots to digest i suppose um it did finish man city three villa two just let's go back to the original point frankie why or why did villa always blow a two nil lead well it's something that's been going all the way back to god the earliest memory i have of one is uh man united's fa cup game two nil up at villa park ruvan nisaroy solskjaer came back and, and it was a very similar thing to city it was kind of like a six or seven minute whirlwind where you just felt there was an invisible momentum that you just can't stop. No, I, I mean, can I just ask as well, you know, people do say, don't they, it's become a little bit of a cliche that 2-0 is a, in quotation marks, dangerous scoreline. Do you think yeah. that came about because of how Villa defend the 2-0 lead? I think it must, uh, must have Yeah, been. maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they were only referring to Villa. I think it's I only think Villa fans who only... say that, is it? I think uh, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, have Villa ever held on to a two-nil lead? I'm, I'm thinking back now. Um, we just—I um, said at the start of the season, right before the whole thing started, I said that Villa have got to look at teams like Atletico Madrid and Tottenham, right, and think there's no reason Atletico or Tottenham should have ever got to a Champions League final, really, mm-hmm. considering where they were ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and growing up, you know, there's no. I remember the way I remember Atletico and Spurs, two teams that you just people kind of laughed at them quite a lot, and they were sort of a big name, but couldn't really make that breakthrough. And then you know, through a combination of you know having the right manager, and through you know in Spurs' case, I think probably got a little lucky with Harry Kane coming through. But at the same time, you know, they made the most of it and eventually developed a mentality where it was a winning mentality. And, you know, it's Spursy. It doesn't really, doesn't really apply any much, so much now anymore. No, not under, I mean, not under, under Conte, certainly. I mean, obviously yeah. this, this, this season before Conte, you'd argue perhaps they still had that moniker, but under Conte, yeah, definitely not. That seems to have been uh, lifted a bit. Yeah, and I, and I think that there's still a thing about Villa where, you know, Years ago, Alex Ferguson famously said about Tottenham lads, it's Spurs. And uh, sides like Man City who have um, the world's top players probably look at Villa and think, even if they're two down, we can get our way back into this. 
Villa's task and Gerard's task is to turn it into a team where that stops happening and to finally become a team that people hate to play. It's not that they're going to Villa Park and thinking this will be a nice day out on a nice pitch in a nice stadium. They're hating every minute of it. And that's what Villa have to be. And we have to look at Atletico Madrid and Tottenham as two teams who've, who've achieved that. Um, we don't necessarily have to play the way Atletico do, but we certainly have to be a, a team that's more um, physically capable of dealing with um, an onslaught. You know, um, We didn't handle it against Wolves this season. Um, I think we've been one up against a couple of other sides and we've let it slip. Um, I think our first half form this season has actually been quite good. And then we just let it slip second half. And that partially comes down to um, profile of player. We probably don't have the right players. There's, I think there's partly a mentality. Um, but um, for sure today as well, you know, you are playing in a unique situation. Man City are going for the league title. It's, you're probably not going to experience things like that too often in your career. And I've heard professionals themselves say there's just times on a pitch where you can't explain it. There's just a momentum that happens and everything clicks for the opposition. Um, but, you know, our, our task is to be able to cope with moments like that. And at the moment, we just don't seem like we are capable of dealing with it. And big summer for Villa to try and deal with it. And we're going to talk about him later. Bubakar Kamara, he's, uh, it's been confirmed by The Athletic, he's joining Villa. Uh, central defence midfielder, um, you know, but just signing players that are, you know, um, physically imposing in the centre of the pitch, I think would help. I'm not saying it would end these random turnarounds. All teams suffer that. West Ham suffered it against Man City last week. And Man City are physically very strong side, brilliant centre midfield in Declan Rice. But when you're playing Man City, it's what happens sometimes because they're an incredible side. But it's really disappointing um, to see it happen to Villa today. Can I can I offer a sort of a margin of defence for uh, for Villa because before the game we were saying oh god it could be a cricket score potentially you know away Man City them absolutely gunning for the title yeah um, and we we were two 0 up I mean nobody oh, yeah. let's be yeah. let's be honest we didn't nobody saw that coming at the Etihad that we would take a two 0 lead and in and in spells we did actually look like. Um, the side most likely to score in between those two goals. You know, I mean, Watkins, I mean, Jesus, he had, he had two good chances to, to increase the tally even further, you know? So, yeah. so we had, we had moments and, and you know, you could argue that those are the differences in games where perhaps someone who's a bit more clinical and we can talk about Watkins in a moment generally, but, but, you know, he was in a, he was in, um, uh, he was quoted in a newspaper article. I think it was the guardian this week about how he wanted to be a killer in front of goal um well he wasn't he wasn't a killer in front of goal today and that's yeah. some, certainly something that he needs to to work on but but if but you know the, they are these moments in matches where if we had someone to finish those chances then it could have been a really a very different story and that's something for Stephen Gerrard obviously to work on over the summer yeah for sure uh, and they're good points I mean look I mean Villa for 70 minutes it was uh, game plan worked perfectly and Man City looked nervous um I went on Blue Moon podcast, the Man City podcast the other day, uh, and their fans were very nervous on there. I was quite taken aback by that, considering their record against us. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, looking at the game today, um, evidently they were, they were right to be fretful. I felt that if they started Fernandinho in central defence, this is exactly what I said before the game. I said, if they start Fernandinho in central defence and Carl Walker's injured on the right, then that means that Luca Dino will... As a, has been a really impressive attacking fullback for us mm -hmm. in recent games. 
and um, could cause them problems down that that side. He's the guy who crossed the ball in for our first goal um, and a good header from Matty Cash. Good to see the fullbacks getting that far forward and attacking, which I think is indicative of the way Gerard clearly wants to approach the uh, the game and how we, he wants us to play next season. Um, and then I thought that long balls over the top to Wally Watkins, particularly when Fernandinho was there, could cause City a lot of problems. And twice, really, Watkins got through and really should have done better. And as you mentioned, that Guardian article, Watkins gets enough chances and gets into enough dangerous positions to be someone who could legitimately aim for 20 goals a season. Mm. But there's just a lack, there's a, there's a, at times a clunkiness to his touch or yeah. his hold at play is not quite right or it just looks like he doesn't quite believe in himself or something, mm. but he still scores. I still like Ollie a lot, but you said, you know, he, he does have to be more of a more clinical um, and he gets, he gets a fair number of goals. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying that he could get more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, but then, you know, he got, he won the header for the second goal. Coutinho with some great skill to whack it in. And at that point you're thinking, my God, might we actually do something? And then, to be fair, City substitutions made a big difference. Gundogan was exceptional, getting into dangerous positions at the back post. Could Matty Cash have marked him better? Yes. But at the same time, it was just, it was during that wave of momentum and Raheem Sterling's ball into the box when he beat Dinia, first time we'd done it all game, um, was fantastic. And that's the quality you're dealing with with City, I guess. And then Marvellous Nakamba coming on. I've read that. Coutinho was injured. I'm not sure if that's... I, I didn't see it, but um, apparently he was injured. But I personally would have thought we could have left Coutinho on a, mm. a little bit longer. I think bringing on Marvellous made sense. I think bringing on a defensive player does make sense when you tune up away from home. But I think I'd have maybe just left it another another five or ten minutes. But if Coutinho's injured, he's injured, isn't he? So. It's one of those ones with, with, with Nakama. If you bring on a defensive midfielder, then 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 naturally you... you, you you drop back, don't you? You, you yeah. try to try to sit on that lead, and against Man City, it's it's really dangerous to do that, isn't it? Um, because they'll just they'll just keep coming, wave after wave after wave, and eventually, eventually you'll crack. And as I say, once they got the first goal, then it was just that it had that momentum. The crowd suddenly was lifted because we silenced the Etihad. I mean, you'd argue that you know that it's quite quiet most most weeks, um, <laughs> but uh, but but you know we we certainly silenced them in the in the first half, and um, and but obviously that goal got them going, lifted the players. And before you know it, literally within a blink of an eye, we were, we were three, two down. So, um, so that was obviously, yeah, very disappointing how quickly we sort of capitulated uh, mm. really. I mean, talking about Coutinho, we've, we've talked about this in previous shows, uh, Gerard starting with Coutinho and Buendia. Yeah. Um, which I think is something that he will look to do more of next year. I do think playing those two tens, because I thought, you know, it was obviously Coutinho comes off and and, and we, we, we can see three, but up until that point, that was the best I've seen those two play together. I mm-hmm. thought they, they had some nice, some nice link-ups considering, you know, we were away at Man City and obviously Man City were going to have the, the majority of possession. Yeah. When we had possession, we were, you know, trying to make our mark in in sort of an attacking phase, they they looked they looked very good together. I thought, and I'd like to see them play more together next season. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. Um, I I obviously Coutinho is here permanently now, and Buendia I think is uh, he's featured more recently, goals, assists, and today wasn't his finest game, but he's certainly been playing very well since at least January for Villa. 
and uh, looks like somebody could grow into being a bit of a talisman for us, really. Um, I went to the Burnley Villa game at Villa Park. Fantastic atmosphere. Can't tell you enough just how, you know, I've, I've been there since 1992, and I've been there through long, long spells of things feeling very down and quiet and, you know, we want Ellis out and, all you know, the, the O'Leary years and everything like that. And the atmosphere and the banners, it's just, there's a different vibe. It's just good. It's, it's a good place to be again. And, um, uh, it, you know, um, frustrating not to win that game, but Nick Pope was absolutely exceptional. And you can kind of see why Burnley drew so many games, uh, which ultimately is costing their place in the Premier League because they just attacking wise weren't good enough. But um, in that game, he started with Chukwameka and uh, Buendia behind Watkins. And it's the second game in a row where he's gone for the two behind the striker. So I think you're right. I think that would indicate to me that that's what he wants to do, Gerard, And that's also what he did at Rangers. Um, worked wonders for him there. And also with the two fullbacks bombing on. And, you know, it's a good sign that Dinier, who's uh, in recent games as well, has proven really good. His delivery has been exceptional. Great delivery into Matty Cash and the two of them getting forward. And um, I think Cash's final third, is he's improved a lot. Um, against Burnley, he struggled. Wasn't He struggled to get past his man um, rather than struggle defensively. So that's something he'll have to improve on. And look, there's Kane Kessler-Hayden as well um, lurking around there, potentially in the first thing next season. Let's see how he does. Um, but I think you're right, as you say. I think the last two games would indicate to me that's the two behind the striker with high fullbacks. He tried it earlier this season. Didn't work. Tried it again recently. And it's, I think, with the right personnel, maybe behind them, it could work better. And so it, it's it's improved from where it was, but I think that's what he's going to do. And he's certainly going to do it in pre-season. One, one key point we haven't mentioned is um, uh, Olsen in goal. Yes. Um, you know, obviously big surprise to see him start. I think there was reports of some agreement allowing Martinez to rest for Argentina v Italy in uh June, I think it's next week. It's kind of like the World Super Cup, isn't it? It's equivalent equivalent to the Club World Cup, where the winners of the Copa America play the winners of the Euros. Argentina v v Italy. It's, just, it's a bit of a strange one, but but he, I think he's been struggling with 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 um, uh, something in his in his knee, mm. hasn't he? That there was there was a, there was rumours he wasn't going to start the game against um, Burnley, so maybe that has also had a part to play in the decision perhaps to to rest him for it i thought i mean what a debut for olsen to, to have to make away oh, no, at yeah. etihad against man city who have to win to win the league uh, and he, he looked a little bit rusty i think that's fair to say particularly yeah. in the first half there was a moment when he was a bit slow getting the ball out and it sort of hit jesus who was sort of closing closing him down so that was that was a bit of an issue and and also big talking point at the end with the pitch invasion that, you know, he was, yeah. he was struck at the back of the head. And obviously there's a lot of talk just generally in the media about um, pitch invasions. It's that stage of the season where leagues are won and clubs are staying up and clubs are getting to play off finals and that sort of thing where fans inevitably because of the sort of emotion of it all storm the pitch. But we've seen quite a few recently of, of quite unsavory incidents and the, yeah. the one involving Olsen is, is, is another one to add to the list. Yeah, completely. Um, uh, I hope whoever it was of the City fan base that did that 
I hope they're banned for life. Never get to go to another game again, ever. I mean, what, what I would say is Man City did release a statement really quickly on social media. Yeah, almost they did. Very soon after it happened to say exactly that, you know, if and when they identify who it was, it's a lifetime stadium ban. So, you know, credit to City for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's uh, And as you say, yeah, you know, we saw the Billy Sharp incident um, at Nottingham Forest this week and there's been a couple of others as well. Um it sort of goes back to uh, the Euro 2020 final, doesn't it? When um, absolutely just disgraceful scenes when England fans were piling into the stadium and um, getting seats that weren't theirs. Uh, and just the whole, it just, I don't know whether it's, I don't, I don't know what, what's going on exactly. I don't know what, what this, where this pattern suddenly come from. Um, but the last year has not been a great, um a representation of how fans in this country can behave um if we look if we go back a year to what happened in that final at the euros and we go uh to this last week and uh yeah you just because ultimately you know pitch invasions actually should you know you know can can be a sort of a, a great explosion of joy and but there's unfortunately far too many idiots who are making it um too dangerous really for for players uh, you know it's it's just it's basically if you go on a pitch well don't go on a pitch and don't hit hurt players it's simple as that really um yeah. and they get exactly what they deserve banned for life and never go to a football game again um uh th- those who commit assaults like that but also um you know uh with regard to also and i thought you know yeah as you say you know it was rusty um, at the start, understandable. He's not really played mm. for a while, and it's just, I mean, what a game to come into as well with a, a team that's closes you down constantly when you're on the ball. But um, you know, his handling was good in large parts. Uh, looked pretty confident. Um, in I can't, can't really bl- blame him for the goals, can you? I mean, the, the, I don't think I, I so. Maybe, no. maybe the Rodri one. I mean, it's a hell of a finish, to be fair. But perhaps yeah. he was slightly to one side of, of, of the goal um, and uh, and sort of miss the opportunity to save that. I do think maybe Martinez sort of touches that one around the post. Who knows? But um, yeah. ultimately, I don't know if it would have made much of a difference. But he looked, looks a solid enough backup, doesn't he? Yeah, it? and, and I think... But... No, I think I think it will probably make that permanent, won't we? It will be, it will be like a nominal fee from Roma. And, you know, he's, he's, um, he's a good age for a keeper. He's in his 30s and he's Sweden's number one. And... Um, I don't know what that says about Swedish football right now, but um, yeah. but you know it's it's uh, it's um, I think he's 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 you know he's a good experienced keeper to have around Villa Park, I'm sure. So I'm, I'd be more than happy to to complete that signing. And a question I've got to ask you, George. Next week I'm working in Liverpool. I have to go and film fans watching the Champions League final. Oh, really? <laughs> Should I wear my Aston Villa shirt? <laughs> uh, I don't think. I think if we. I think if we had won. And Liverpool, obviously, obviously they did they did won their game against Wolves, didn't they? Then, then yes, but I don't I don't think so. No, I don't think there's much. There's not a, there's, there's not going to be the love for Villa. I'm afraid, Frankie. I mean, wear it by all means. I think mm. you should wear your I think you should wear your Villa top every day. Yeah, um, personally, but um, but but yeah, I don't think you're going to get too many scousers patting you on the back. Yeah, unfortunately, if, unless if you're I... buying them a pint or something. Yeah, for one villa shirt, you know, I might mysteriously be messaging you that night going, don't think I can do the podcast for a while. 
my my jaws misplaced. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm got a big black eye here. I'm feeding through a straw. At the moment. They don't seem too happy about what happened last week. <laughs> <laughs> the Etty Hattery. Yeah, and uh, Jack Grealish has won the Premier League title. What do you think? Yeah, about? yeah. I want to talk about. I'll talk about Jack in a second. But if we hmm. if we talk about shirts, what is with the blue shirt, Frankie? The blue shirt, yeah. we never win. I, I mean, I never love that win. shirt. I bought that shirt this season. Yeah. I think I, for, for me, it's my favourite of the three. But by God, it's uh, it's unlucky. It's like the um, it's like that grey United kit, isn't it? From like yeah. the, the mid nineties. We should have Gerard. I mean, you know, I was going to say we should have changed it at half time, but we were actually doing all right at half time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, it's, it hasn't. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't uh, won too many games or any games, I believe, in that shirt. Wasn't um, our wasn't cursed. our white. White shirt curse last year as well. I think so. I maybe just the, just our, our shirts are cursed. It's Villa are cursed. Shirts, is that, that way it is, yeah. Um, do you remember that when Man United, the grey shirts, they said they couldn't see each yeah, other? Yeah. Against Southampton, wasn't it, away? And they, they changed shirts at half time. And I think six. they did go on to, I don't think they won the game, but they did score at least. Yeah, they lost 6 3. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do like that shirt. Um, but. For whatever reason, I think one day we'll win in it, and then suddenly everyone will just buy that shirt on mass. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, Jack Grealish uh, yeah. winning the Premier League title. Um, I can't say I was loving it too much when Man City fans were singing "Super Jack" at Villa. Um, seemed a bit like they were doing it intentionally. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, what did you think? Well, I, I mean, unused sub, wasn't he? Didn't come on, did he? Um, and that has been the story of his season at Man City. That, you know, so I don't know. I, it'd be interesting to know how he feels about it all. It must feel slightly hollow. If, if I was, if I was Jack Grealish, would 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 that feel slightly hollow? Probably not. I mean, he's, he has played a fair few games and mm. obviously helped them win a couple of games. So he's been part of that team, obviously that squad. But he would have definitely expected to be much more integral to to them doing it than he has mm. been and, and as I say sums it up final game of the season when they need to win and he's not involved at all mm. so um, so yeah interesting I did I did actually just kind of sort of corner of my eye the camera pan to Pep Guardiola when Villa went 2-0 up and I could see Jack in the in the background in his uh, you know his bib mm. and he didn't look he didn't look particularly thrilled obviously but um, but yeah I don't know I think um, to be honest I think next season probably see the best of him oh, yeah. obviously you know we we love them at Villa and, and he is a good player. Whether he plays into Pep's style doesn't seem like it, but maybe Pep will have a bit of a tactical tweak and try and accommodate him next year. And that's when we might see the best of him, but hmm. yeah, good, good luck. Good luck to him for next season, but we've got, we've got bigger fish to fry. I mean, you mean you mentioned uh, Kamara from, from Marseille, lots of clubs linked with him. Um, he's a, he's a, you know, big name signing as far as I'm concerned. So I'll be delighted when that's over the line. And I think, you know, if we are going to continue talking about Villa generally this season now, final position of 14 ain't great, but perhaps what to be that's to be expected and what's felt like a really transitional season. Gerard is not going to have any excuses like that next year, particularly no, if he he's won't. as funded as we expect him to be. You know, next year will be his, it'll be his Villa. Uh, and mm. if his Villa aren't performing, then um, yeah, there'll be there'll be problems. But I'm gonna I'm gonna remain optimistic. And and if yeah. as I say, Kamara is the type of player that we're signing, then it yeah. does really bode well for for the summer, doesn't it? Well, actually, after the uh, the Burnley game, coming home from it, I, I did feel 
you know, I could see online there was a lot of, um, you know, um, frustration with it, which I kind of expected. You know, you want to beat Burnley, um, team that's struggling at the bottom of the league. But in fairness, like watching it, like Burnley just had like there was at one point in the first half where they literally had eleven in defence. Yeah, like there was eleven of them behind the ball, and I was just like. Well, if you think about it, Burnley don't lose actually that many games. They just keep drawing, um, which is why they went down this season. They just drew so much. And you can see why they draw, because they just pack the defence. And when they knock it forward, there's not really anything there to do anything with it. But uh, I actually came away from that game feeling kind of optimistic. I thought that the... Because earlier this season, when Gerard tried to play the two fullbacks getting high, if you think back to the Newcastle game and I think Watford and we lost both 1-0 and they were so turgid those games. Mm-hmm. Looked awful. But um, so he went kind of to a bit of a more back to basics approach. But in against Burnley, like the fullbacks were so high. And then you had the two players, as you mentioned earlier, you know, we had Chukwameka and Buendia behind Watkins. And I thought, actually, I think I think this is I think the ingredients are there, you know. Mm. I think we there's, there's something there with Villa yeah. and I think it's still a process. It's we, Annoyingly, we've got to be patient with it. But if we can just get the right players, I, th- I think we could do, you know, quite a bit better than we have this season, next season. But I, it, it just depends kind of how, how we look this summer. Um but uh, I don't know. I, I was more optimistic about after mm. the Burnley game than I think a lot of other people were. No, I, I'm looking ahead. I am optimistic. Um, I know <laughs> how I sounded maybe a couple of minutes ago wasn't that optimistic. And it, you know, but, but the pressure is, it is on Gerard. Oh, it is completely. You're to, right. Totally. To, to make a success of it. But you're absolutely right. There are, in, in what we've seen, I think over the course of the season, and particularly since Gerard has taken over, that there are. We haven't been overrun in games. I can't really think of too many games this season where we've been second best, as in as in markedly second best. Even against yeah. the top sides, you know, there are fine margins. I think in those games that have just constantly fall in the favour of those of those sides of the the top six sides. But I do think with a bit of tweaking and some extra quality personnel coming in, that's when we can start flipping a couple of those those those, those moments over. Yeah. Um, so I am hoping and expecting really a much better season next year. I think we have to aim higher even than the top 10, I would argue. Yeah. Um, because there has been a lot of investment this season. There'll be even more investment over the over the summer heading into next year. Mm-hmm. And and you know, we should really have a side capable of by by next year of pushing into or trying to push into that kind of best of the rest. Um group of clubs yeah. well look at you know look at west ham and see yeah. how, where they were in the season we just about stayed up with the you know the last day of the season at west ham um they were nearly relegated that year um and just about stayed up as well and now they're in a europa league semi-final which i'm going to mention in the spicy question all villa no filler on youtube twitter facebook and instagram Welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for this. (laughs) 
It's time to get your thermometer out and check your temperature as things get ultra hot and spicy in this The Spicy Question. It's here where we cover the controversial topics and sometimes get the creative juices flowing. Today, George, I'm asking you, do you believe we could ever see Aston Villa win a European trophy? And if so, what city would you ideally like to see us win it in? Ooh. That's basically a question of what's your favourite city to go to in Europe, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, actually, if I if I if I um, factor in certain uh, well, there's there's certain factors to, to to that question, particularly the second part. I mean, for logistical reasons, Cardiff. <laughs> yeah. Although you'd have to sleep in the park, is that what all the Real Madrid fans had to do? Yeah, and so, Juventus yeah. when they did the Champions League final, there there weren't enough hotel rooms in the city. No, well, this is what I mean. I could benefit it from the perspective of a Villa fan, literally walking ten minutes to the Principality Stadium to watch the game. Yeah, so I mean, and probably not Cardiff. Although you know, Cardiff is a city which has, as we've just referenced, hosted some big games notably the champions league final a couple of years yeah. ago so it's a great city it could, great stadium. It's, a, it's a great city and it's a great stadium so um so you know i said that's a bit of a joke and then i thought well you know maybe uh i mean birmingham actually where would you have it in birmingham except <laughs> except <Villa Park>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Villa Park, really. the park that'd be ideal imagine you ever come out of nowhere St Andrews currently has one stand that's not usable, but we're still going to host <laughs> the Champions League, Champions League final. final. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that that probably wouldn't happen. Although, could I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Villa Park used as a sort of a major football stadium. I don't know. It's been it's probably been usurped by some newer stadiums, perhaps. But obviously, if they renovate the North Stand, maybe think... maybe it will factor back into the thinking of. UEFA bots. Yeah. yeah, maybe transport to Villa Park for lots of neutral European yeah. fans could be an issue. But that is an issue. I think it could still I think I think Villa Park could still work as a as a destination for a final. I love it. I was I was on Twitter Great and ran, randomly I saw a saw some highlights of the um Cup Winners Cup final from like ninety eight and it was Inter Milan v the Mallorca or Osasuna or someone and, mm. and Christian Vieri scored this unbelievable header. I was like, I recognise that stadium. Villa Park. Was Lovely. it? Yeah, I completely yeah. forgot about that. Really? Yeah, Villa Park. And then obviously the Euros, Euro 96, that held that was held Car- there. I think Czech Republic. Karol Paborski. Yeah, that amazing Scored goal. Against wasn't Schmeichel, it? didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it has been home to some fantastic uh, European and, uh, you know, continental games. So, I'm not saying we would play there, of course, but um, Birmingham would be great. But then, in terms of you know what, in terms of cities, I do love Budapest, Frankie. Oh, that's know, a place we I know, know well. I know that's a bit out there for for some people who might think, oh, why not? You know, Paris or Rome or Berlin. But yeah, Budapest. We we went there, didn't we, Frankie? We went yeah, there on holiday. Twenty fifteen is twenty fifteen. Bloody hell, God, that is going back a bit now. But um, mm. loved it. What a what a city, and also the stadium there. Big, it's isn't it? Pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, I was thinking so, you'd get you'd because you're you're half Polish, half Cypriot. So I wondered mm. whether you'd go to AK Larnaca, which we went to, <laughs> and that <laughs> like hilarious, small setting, but beautiful like surroundings. Mm. And then like it was like being in like this like Nevada desert or something. And then yeah. um all those fans that just went crazy, like sprinting down 
and attacking the opposition. That was the most surreal thing. It's like, ten, there's 10 of you. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Um, uh, but then also, you know, being Polish as well, I thought maybe you'd go somewhere like, you know, Krakow or Warsaw. But yeah, no, Warsaw. They've got a big national stadium in, in Warsaw. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I think I think for just... Uh, in terms of in terms of places where I have the fondest memories and perhaps would like to go back to, and watch a football match there mm. as well. For me, yeah, Budapest was very good. It's a, a stunning it's city, a, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and really it's stunning. Kind of, it's a yeah. bit underrated. I think a lot of people look at Budapest and think, well, it's a bit of a sort of cheap stag location, but it's it's so much more than that, isn't it? It's <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah, it's got a lot going for it. Yeah, I feel like you know a member of the Hungarian tourist board right now, but it, it it's, yeah. it's it's it is a lovely city. It's got that sort of like um. Uh, sort of crumbled but sort of g- glory to it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's like it's like an old European glory. city that's been yeah, preserved yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, it's clearly <laughs> had a lot of money and wealth. <laughs> we sound like a travel podcast. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I know, just reliving the memories of it. But it has a faded glory of, of empire. You know, yeah. What a what a <laughs> what a place to host a football match and yeah. to, and to lose in a European Cup final. You know. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, what about what about you, Frankie? Where would where would it be? And also, to answer, to answer your first question, yes, of course, we can reach a final. I mean, if, if Rangers can do it and West Ham can reach a semis, then, then yeah, absolutely, we can reach a, reach a final of a European competition. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Villa has got to aim to win trophies in the next few years. Um, League Cup, FA Cup. And I think that if you look at West Ham, you look at uh, Rangers, exactly as you said, uh, and you, you see how far they've gone in both comp- in in the competition. Why could Villa not do that? And it gives you you know some hope that you know Steven Gerrard's the man who built that Rangers team that made it to the Europa League final. And you know it's not like they've suddenly got good in Europe since he left. They were good in Europe when he was there. Mm. That was part of the attraction of what of, of what brought him to Villa was his um, his performance in Europe uh, as an underdog team. They. Uh, they were excellent against sides like Porto and all that. So, um, no, I, I, I strongly believe Aston Villa have got to aim to think West Ham can get to a semi-final, Rangers can get to the Europa League final, Aston Villa can do it as well. Like, we just can. And, it, you know, you say these things and people go to you, you know, LOL, delusional, you know, you think, but it's like, well, if you're not going to, like, aim for something... What are, what are you? What's the point? You might as well just yeah. be like making up the numbers. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you talk, you talk about Spurs and Atletico Madrid exactly um, early in the early in the show. You know, in terms of stature, we're you know we're we're on we're on par with those clubs. Um, hmm. So so yeah, easily, no why 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 not? Easily on par with both of those clubs, and you know they've undergone various issues over the last thirty years. And so Atletico Madrid have been relegated, you know, yeah. and had to make a big comeback. They couldn't beat Real Madrid, and for about. Was it fifteen years? Um, you know, they've they're they're a team that's had a bit of a, a mentality that think good things don't happen, but eventually it does. And Spurs were the same. You know, Spurs they haven't won a trophy. God only knows how with that squad and you know how far they've got in so many things and come so close to winning the title and things like that. But again, we got it. We got to look at those sides and think. You know, as I keep saying, there's no reason Spurs were a side that made the breakthrough in a way that Villa didn't. Um, you know, we came close. Um, we just got to hope that, you know, this board stick with it uh, in the way that Randy Lerner didn't. And if they do, and if Gerard can prove himself to be a, a, a top manager and learn whatever lessons he's had to learn this season, there's no reason Villa can't dream of going to 
uh, a Europa League, uh, having a great run in the Europa League and trying to win it. And um, also, if I was to see which city it would be in, I think I'd like to go to Dublin, you know. It'd be like yeah. a nice nice mix for me, you know, my Irish heritage and Aston Villa been there, so my Brummie heritage as well. And the two combining to be in such a fantastic city, um, oh, it would just be... It'd be absolutely brilliant, you know. To see Villa win the Europa League in Dublin, um, that's 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 what I'd like to see happen. Maybe, maybe Lansdowne Road, probably. Um, yeah, not yeah. the the Viva, isn't it? The, uh... the well, the Aviva. Yeah, I still call it yeah Lansdowne in my head, but uh, but yeah, yeah. the Aviva. Um, but yeah, um, somewhere out there, I think. And um, I, you know, Villa's sizable Irish fan base as yeah, well, yeah, getting yeah, to go absolutely. there to it. I think it'd be a great city to do it in. That was the spicy question, and both George and I believe Aston Villa can dream of reaching a final in Europe in the next few years. If you agree with that, or if you don't, you can email us at allvillanofiller at gmail.com, or you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and we can talk about it right here on the All Villa No Filler podcast. So Villa's next game is in Queensland, Australia against Leeds United all the way in July. Now the season's over. Now I'm not convinced Frankie has much insight on that match just now. Uh, So instead, we're going to chat about uh, a news story that broke today. We talked about it briefly already. The Athletic reporting that Marseille centre midfielder Bubakar Kamara has agreed to join Villa next season on a free. So it's a position of the pitch that we've argued for months and months and months needs strengthening. We tried to strengthen in January. That didn't happen. We've now waited into the summer. Kamara is the bloke coming in to fill that spot. Frankie, are you is that the man for you? Are you happy with that? I'm very happy with it. Um, seeing him linked with Villa for a fair old while, going back about a year, I think I was looking into him when I saw his name linked to us. And then the general review about him, he sounds like an... He, he, Kind of exactly what Villa need. Let's face it, we have desperately needed a CDM, a good technical CDM for a long time. And that sounds like what he is. He's a good tackler, if you look, look at his statistics, but he's also a good progressive passer of the ball. Um, he's played oh, well over 100 games for Marseille, and he's just 22, 23 yeah, years 22, of age. I think, yeah. Good age. And, um, you know, you read more about him and you see that Steven Gerrard played a crucial role in him deciding to sign for us. Um, Gerrard himself has been out there to watch it with uh, Lang, watching with Lang and uh, with Perslo. So you'd like to think that Gerrard is a man who understands what makes a good midfielder. He's been called up to the France squad. Exactly. He's been called up to the French team um, for the first time for a few Nations League games. So Aston Villa signing a young up-and-coming Marseille centre midfielder who start who has just been called up for the French national team, I would say is a really good thing. And I think it's a good start to the transfer window, signing what was desperately needed for over a year and uh, two years now, a CDM, a really good technical CDM. And it looks like we may well have got one in Bubakar Kamara. I know at Atletico Madrid were heavily linked. I know I think West Ham heavily linked. Um, that's a coup. And he's on a free. Um, I assume that means his wages might be quite high, but you know, look, get him on a free and Coutinho at 17 million uh, to start off the transfer window. That's a really good start. 
Yeah, for sure. The way the way you were talking about a uh, French midfielder from Marseille coming <laughs> yeah, to yeah, Villa, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, haven't we got one of those already? Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I hopefully Sanson hasn't been discouraging uh, Kamara from joining Villa given his spell. I yeah, I know. Like, like, can you imagine um, calling up Morgan Sanson just like, uh, so yeah. can you just? How's it uh, going, mate? Yeah. <laughs> so, but Aston Villa got in touch. Uh, what, what's it like there? Any positive thoughts? Um, no, I, th- I think with Tanson, it's. I think he, he'd be the first to admit it's, it's more. It's more kind of a. He has just hasn't been lucky, really. I think hopefully, he he'll be hoping that there's a place for him next season. And um, you know, I he, he's yet to really get a run of games, so maybe he's someone that does stick around. But I'm yeah. not entirely sure. He's probably he's probably close to the chopping block, isn't he? In terms of. Um, I think players so. moving on. Um, but if he doesn't, then that will be, I mean, it'll certainly be good for Kamara to have a former teammate there to, um, to sort of amalgamate, uh, sort of help amalgamate into the squad. Uh, obviously, Luca Dean is there um, as a fellow French international. So that will help as well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all good. I think it's, uh, as I say, uh, a position that we've needed to address for a long, long time. We didn't quite get, the Basuma deal done in January, and to be honest, I think if we did, we would have paid just a fifty million high price. Yeah, yeah, it would have been so overinflated; it just wouldn't have been worth it. And I think waiting until the end of the season was absolutely the right decision. I mean, I mean, clearly we've moved in fast uh, to do this. It's not even the end of May, and and we've essentially, if the Athletic are to be believed, and um, uh, um, some of the notable journalists on on Twitter is over the line then then that's you know that's a very quick bit of business and i think gerard's quite keen to do that i think we probably will do a lot of our business early in the summer so that mm. he has time to work with these players all through pre-season um heading into uh obviously heading into the um the the, the next uh the next campaign so yeah it's obviously we'll have to wait and see after a few games how he settles into the squad but i think it's yeah. a really really promising start to uh to uh to the transfer window and and as you say frankie linked with some big clubs i was just looking there you know united were linked with them at some point mm-hmm. say west ham so big big teams and um yeah i really really hope he he comes in and and, and does the business for us and he's the third player now that has quote said gerard was a factor in him coming to villa yeah. Yeah. um Dino said that and so did coutinho so yeah um so that's a really positive sign you know for, for gerard and going forward this summer you know who's to say there won't be a couple more um potential big names and if i'm honest i didn't think we'd get kamara i, th- I just no. assumed when i saw the atletico link i thought i think he'll probably go madrid or you know french you called it to the french um, national team i was like Someone out there will need a CDM, and but for him to come to Villa, uh, it's just it's it's good and it's exciting. And um, you know, Gerard so far we've signed Callum Chambers, who's proved a really good utility yeah, yeah, player. Yeah. Yeah. Had a good game today. Dinier, who's just done really well recently. Mm. Yeah. Um, Coutinho, who's just big name and looks great in in what some a goal games. Today, by the way, for him, great goal touch. from him. Yeah. He's looked. I mean, some of his performances have been some of the best I've ever seen from a Villa player. And then there's other, obviously been other games where he's been a bit quieter, but, you know, uh, and then uh, Bubakar Kamara. So this is a a good good start. And um, I'm sure Lionel Messi will be on the way. And Kylian Mbappe, I'll do a U-turn. Decide actually, Pierce is not where I want to go. I don't want to run 
a football club myself. I'd rather go to Aston Villa and be one of the one of the boys. Rotation player. Yes. <laughs> Slugging it out with Watkins and Ings. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, George Solinsky. See you later, Frankie. Catching a bit and up the villa. UTV, Frankie. It is goodbye from me too. We will be back to review the whole season later this week. What a roller coaster it's been. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>